So, last week, I was, the key point I was making was that Jesus was both fully God and fully man, and um, if you want to back all that biblically, you can listen to it online, because I shared a lot of scriptures about why he was both. And I said this, that if we are to be truly Christ conscious, we have to embrace both our divinity and our humanity. And by that, I mean, so our divinity is a sense that he's with us. He's in us, that love, the fullness of love resides on the inside of us, that the fullness of God resides on the inside of us. And our humanity is the way we interact with this world. It's this idea. But we've got to embrace both because that's what Jesus did. It says the word became flesh. He actually embraced both sides of it. And we said most people think they're human trying to be spiritual, but the reality of the Christian message is found in Jesus who was fully divine and then took on human flesh. Because you were in the heart of the Father before the creation of the world. So you in some way existed before you became an embryo. So you also took on flesh. And when the flesh fades, you'll also carry on in another, some form and you'll be you. So you were followed it already. And this was the key scripture. For Jesus is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. That's the reality. You right now, right where you are sat, if you've said yes to Jesus, then you are completely full with the fullness of God. That's the reality. Now, you might not feel it. You might not be aware of it. You might even disagree with it, but it doesn't really matter because it's true. You are full. The fullness of God is in you. And of course, we said that asks us some, that causes us to ask some Questions like, well, why does this happen? Why does that happen? But then we have to understand this, that you are body, soul, and spirit, and that God lives in your spirit. So your spirit's full, but your soul and body are yet to catch up, perhaps, to the fullness of it. So I want to I wanna spend this morning talking about the truth that we, we carry this fullness with us. And our task as those who are learning to love Jesus is to allow that fullness to flow out of us and into our environment because that's what it means to be human but I want to share with you one of the keys to allowing the fullness of Jesus to flow out of you because I found there's a key there's a few keys but one of them is really really important that allows the fullness of him to flow into the rest of you and we're going to do that by exploring these words but from perhaps a different perspective that we might normally have explored them from so in Romans 15 7 Paul says this accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. But Paul's line of thought starts back in chapter 14. And in chapter 14, he gives all these um, lots of examples about how kingdom people should interact with each other. He talks about food and special days. And now we have all these different differences. Some think this, some think that. And when you read from the start of chapter 14 through to chapter 15 and verse 7, there's all these interesting words that keep cropping up. So you, you find all these words that keep cropping up, same attitude, mutual edification, accepted. And then you find words like passing judgment, condemn, condemn, contempt. And what you can do is you can actually kind of split those words out because they follow two distinct patterns. So when Paul's talking about this theory of accepting, in the whole bit before it, he's, he's talking about accepting one another. And he kind of, whenever he's talking about not accepting each other, he's talking about condemning and passing judgment on one another. But here's the thing. 
This morning, I don't want to talk about anybody else. I want to talk about you. Because this is the key. The first other we have to accept is our own humanity. The first other you have to accept is you. And I'm going to expound that as we go through. What might it mean for you to accept you as you are right now? What might it mean in your relationship with Jesus if you accepted you just as Christ accepted you? What would it look like? Well, it would make a huge difference to you in your relationship with Jesus. Because one of the greatest keys of being able to rest in and with Jesus is to accept yourself as you are in the moment you find yourself. You see, the opposite of accepting yourself, as Paul in Romans points out, is condemning and judging yourself. Have you ever condemned yourself or judged yourself because you thought you should not be in this place or you should be doing better or you should know better or whatever else? Anybody ever done that? Okay. But right there in that moment, when you judged and condemned yourself for who you were or who you were not or what you've done or what you've not done, you make it incredibly difficult to rest in Jesus because all your mental headspace is used in trying to justify that you shouldn't feel like that or you do feel like that. And that's why you don't find any rest. Because you can't find rest. Because there's so much good on your head. So most of us have an incredible ability to judge and condemn ourselves, which is why, or one of the reasons why most of us find it incredibly difficult to rest in Jesus. And one of the keys then to resting in Jesus is learning to accept ourselves and to stop judging and condemning ourselves, which sounds very easy when I say it in a sentence. But it's really, really important. And it's important for a few reasons, but one of them can be found in this interaction with Jesus. And this is one of my favorite scriptures, as you know. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. So this is the story of Lazarus. Lazarus has been dead a few days. He's in the tomb. Um, and Martha, or one of them, is very upset because if Jesus had arrived earlier, he'd be, Lazarus would be all right and all that. Take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for days. Jesus lives in reality. He is the most real person there is. Jesus does not live in fantasy land. Jesus does not live in how it used to be land. Jesus does not be in how I'd like it to be land. Or what life should be like land. Jesus lives in today. Jesus lives in how he actually is. And the reality of today. And the reality of today is where he wants to meet you. In fact, it's probably the only real place he can meet you. Because it's the only place you're actually present. Everything else is a construction of your imagination. And sometimes, of course, like in this instance, the reality is a bit stinky. We don't want to acknowledge the reality. But the only way you're going to experience the fullness of resting in Jesus is when you acknowledge the reality of this situation, stench and all, which is what Jesus did and what Martha needed to do. Now, of course, most of us struggle to do this because we have no grace for ourselves. We have absolutely no grace for ourselves. We have grace for other people, 
And we can look at other people's situation. And if you've matured a little bit emotionally and spiritually, you can look at other people's situation and go, okay, it's tough, but I understand. And then you look at yourself and don't measure yourself with the same thing. You beat yourself up. Even though the person you're looking at, you have grace for them, but we, you don't have grace for you. You see, we spend a lot of time not actually being present with Jesus because we get so wrapped up in our minds as we judge and condemn ourselves because of the state of our hearts and lives. We shouldn't be this way. We should know better. We should be further on. If only X, Y, Z had happened, it would be different. We use hindsight to beat ourselves up. We wish we'd made better choices. But here is the thing. None of this helps you rest with Jesus. None of it helps you rest with Jesus. What helps you rest? Is when you come to a place of acceptance that your heart and life is in the place it is and that that is just fine with Jesus. You see, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but it's only useful if you're looking in the right direction. This is what I've realized. Hindsight is wonderful when you're looking forward. So hindsight, of course, is the ability to look back and realize where you went wrong and acknowledge it. That's fantastic. And so it's good to look back, it's good to learn. We're meant to learn. We're not meant to make the same mistakes over and over. We're meant to look back, learn. But hindsight is only useful when you're looking forwards and going, right, now I'm going to this situation. And so because last time I did this, I'm going to do something different. What we do is we use hindsight facing the wrong way and use it as a whip and a club to beat ourselves up. All the time. So we look back and go, Most of us use hindsight by looking at the past and realize we've made some mistakes. Well, hey, that's about accepting your humanity. It's going to happen. Get used to it if you've not already. But then instead of turning around and facing the future and applying those things we've learned to our future, we look at our past and use those things we've learned as clubs and whips to punish ourselves. You see, I have made, I mean, I could write volumes of books about the mistakes I've made in Running Little Daisies. I mean, volumes of them. And I could use that volumes of books to look back and beat myself up over it. And I have done in the past many times. But I have learned that the only time I'm going to pick up that book now is when I'm looking forwards. And if I'm ever looking backwards, I'm going to refuse to pick up that book because it does not help me. If I'm looking forwards, if, if I'm going to do something new in terms of business in the future, oh, I'll devour that book because I want to learn. But if I'm going to look backwards, I ain't going to pick it up anymore because it doesn't help me. We tell ourselves we should have known better, or we should have done this differently, or that differently. We beat ourselves up because we felt inadequate, or we thought of the right thing to say after the event, but not at the time. But listen, none of it is helpful. And more importantly, Jesus is not thinking like that. Jesus has never thought like that about you. Most people struggle to find rest in Jesus, not because they're not committed, or they don't want to be found there, but because they end up spending so much of their time judging and condemning themselves for the state of their heart and their lives. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Accept you then, just as Christ accepted you. How does he actually accept you? Well, Jesus does not condemn you, nor does he judge you for the state of your heart or your life. And the interesting thing is, we know this in our head. Most of us know, oh yeah, Jesus doesn't judge me. Okay, well... Why are you doing it then? Simply. If he doesn't, why are you? Because that means you're not being like him and you're meant to be being like him. So if you're going to be like him, stop it. I mean, I could just stop there really, but we'll carry on. You see, this 
This ability to accept ourselves is key on the journey of learning to love and care for ourselves. It's actually a mark of maturity on the journey of being like Jesus. Because I don't think when Jesus went up a mountain, he's, of course, he, he didn't get it wrong, so he didn't have to worry about beating himself up. But of course, I don't, he, he doesn't do it to you. When you're able to accept yourself more and more, to accept the weight of your heart, to accept life as it is, and to accept yourself where you're at, you know you are growing, you are learning, you are becoming like him. You're learning self-compassion and self-grace, which is a beautiful thing. And listen, when you learn it, other people feel it. I know some of you feel it coming off me right now. And the only reason you feel it coming off me is because I know it. But imagine if you could be in an environment where you're with somebody and they could feel it coming off you. Imagine what the chair were you then. Well, I'll tell you, their entire lives in two hours sometimes when you've never met them before. Why is that? Because they actually feel it coming off you. And the lips have just gone, and you're like, oh, okay. But, but don't we need people like that? But of course, if you are internally beating yourself up, you give that off as well. And people feel it. And they go, I feel that sense of condemnation and judgment. So I ain't going to talk to you. We've got to learn to look at our own hearts and lives through the lens of Jesus. And of course, we're our harshest critics because we know our own responses and actions. We know what we've done. And we even know our heart. The other people can look at you and go, well, I know the heart. You go, yeah, I know my heart. Other people look and go, well, I'm sure they didn't mean it. You look and go, well, I think I might have done actually. Like, you know that reality. But listen, so does Jesus. I mean, really, so does Jesus. He really does know your heart. More than you know it. More than you're aware of it. He fully knows it. Every little last bit of it. And despite knowing all that, there is no judgment or condemnation flowing from him. You see, the truth is, when you choose to judge and condemn yourself, you're effectively saying that Jesus is wrong and you're right. That's what you're doing. You're going, you're, you're wrong about me, Jesus, and I'm right about me. And that is basically not the best way to find the life that Jesus offers. So one of the biggest stumbling blocks for us is our ability to not judge the state of our hearts, but to accept it as it is. But if we are to find, the, bless you, the rest we so desperately need, you don't have to apologize. You're just embracing your humanity. If we are to find the rest we so desperately need, we must learn to view ourselves through the lens of the grace and compassion of Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Jesus. So, so wherever you are at right now, whether you think it's a good place or a bad place, whether you think you should be there or shouldn't be there. Oh, and by the way, I have banned that word from my vocabulary about myself. I have, that word should, I've just banned it completely. From my, If I journal or speak anything about myself and I try and do it with other people, I'm like, I am not going to say that word because it's a completely useless word. It's a completely unhelpful word. I should, who says I should? Who's determined that I should? Who says that that is what I am meant to be doing? Well, it may well, the only person I'm meant to be listed is Jesus. But most of the time, I should is cultural expectation, pressure from other people. I should really make sure my house is clean before people come round. Jesus really not bothered, to be honest. No, really, he just didn't bothered. He's like, I'd much rather you be present with people who are coming around so you can enjoy them than be absolutely exhausted from cleaning your house. 
Plus, you'll make them feel better when you go around there. They won't have to do it. <laughs> no, but really, you're laughing because you know it's true, though. You're laughing because you know the reality of it. Like, there's so many cultural norms and pressures that we think, and of course, we're meant to look after what we've got. I'm not suggesting you live in a hovel. I'm just saying, you know, like, you, you, of course, you're meant to care for what you've got and be a good steward of what you've got and all that sort of thing. But, but it's just this moment of, okay, anytime you get a thought that goes, I should do this, that's a red flag for going, okay, who says I should? And why am I going to do it? And of course, that's hard work because you've got to work all that out. But hey, welcome to working out what it's like to be like Jesus. All right, I want to finish with two interactions that Jesus had to just remind you of the heart of Jesus. So Luke 8, 42, and there's a story of a lady who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. In fact, let me just go there, Luke chapter 8. So there's this lady, she'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Nobody could heal her. She comes up behind him, touches the edge of his cloak. Immediately, her bleeding stops. Who touched me, Jesus asked. And there's a big crowd, and they're all going, don't be ridiculous, Jesus. There's a million people touching you. Eventually, it says, the woman, seeing she could not go unnoticed. Seeing she could not go unnoticed. That's beautiful, isn't it? That's when you've got to start when you're reading the Bible sometimes. It's impossible to go unnoticed by Jesus. Seeing she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she'd been ensnared. Now listen. Think of all the things people you know, because you wouldn't say it, so think of the people you know. To this lady, okay, about that moment. Remember, she has an issue of bleeding. That means she's unclean. That means she's in a crowd. She's touched all these people. There is a lot of upset people around her right now. Because everybody she's touched in this crowd, she's made unclean, and they're going to have to go do whatever you had to do to get clean. So big, lots of cultural expectations are going on around now. These are the Jesus' only recorded words. Daughter. So straight away, daughter. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. That's it. That's all Jesus says. Now, sadly, many people would go, well, if you'd prayed a bit more, love, you'd be all right. Well, if you'd just done this, you'd be all right. Well, if you'd just done that, you'd be all right. Well, maybe you should do this. No, but Jesus, daughter, faith has made you well. Go in peace. Do you feel any condemnation or judgment in that statement? Despite the fact she's made a ton of people unclean and broken a ton of ceremonial laws. Trust me, the Pharisees were livid. And so what people who had to go and offer an extra sacrifice they weren't planning on doing that day. But there's nothing from Jesus. What about the lady who was caught in adultery in John 8? Every reason a judge and condemn herself for everybody around us doing just that. But Jesus' response, do you remember the story? They're all around. She's been caught in adultery. It's a big deal. Got to be stoned to death. And uh, Jesus says, well, if, if you are without sin, you throw a first stone and they all disappear. And Jesus stands there and says, well, neither do I condemn you. Her challenge was to not condemn herself. But Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm not condemning. And all these people have gone away who in their hearts had condemned her. They just knew that if they were going to throw a stone, they were going to get stoned. They didn't want to die that day. That's why they left. 
But in the hearts, they're going, Ugh. but Jesus comes along and goes, well, there's no judgment from me, love. Now go, go and don't do it again because it's not healthy for you. It's not helpful. It's not going to lead you towards life. It's not going to bring health and happiness and good things your way. That's why he tells her, go and, go and sin no more. But, but the first thing is, neither do I condemn you. He neither condemns her nor overlooks a self-destructive lifestyle. He walks the tightrope of loving her. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God, despite her obvious guilt, despite the fact that she had missed the mark, despite the fact that she had done wrong. When confronted with Jesus, he does not condemn, he does not judge. He encourages her to stop the unhealthy acts that are destroying her life and releases her in to freedom, despite your guilt, despite our guilt. Despite the fact we have missed the mark, despite the fact we have done wrong, when confronted with Jesus, he does not condemn us, he does not judge us. Instead, he encourages us to stop the unhealthy acts that are destroying our life and releases us into freedom. You are accepted by Jesus, just as you are. Just as you were, just as you are today, and just as you'll be tomorrow, you're accepted. But like the lady who was caught in adultery, you have to decide whether you're going to accept you, just as you are. Jesus is not beating you up. Jesus is not frustrated with your progress. Jesus He's not thinking you should be further on. Jesus, he's not going over and over that conversation from last week wishing it were dif different. Jesus, he's not thinking you have failed. Jesus, he's not thinking you are going backwards. Jesus sees exactly where you were at. He sees every high and every low. Everything you call a success and everything you call a failure. And in it all, he simply accepts you and loves you. Perhaps it's time for us to start doing the same. Perhaps it's time for us to start doing the same. Perhaps it's time for us to come to a greater depth of understanding that if we accepted us, we may experience more of his acceptance over us. And I know that right now in some of you, there's all sorts of thoughts crashing through your mind. But your spirit is also loving it. Because your spirit knows it's true. So the challenge. The challenge is to allow your spirit to break through. And I'm going to play a, a song in a minute. It's actually a song that I think was played at pretty much every uh, Billy Graham event, just as I am, without a plea. It's a beautiful version. And there's no, it's just the audio. And as it, as it plays, it's just a few minutes. I just want you to listen to the words and just think about it. And I'm believing that as you listen and as I've been talking, that somehow there's been a window open in your spirit that allows it to sink to a new depth and a new level. Because there is an incredible peace that comes an incredible freedom and rest that comes when this truth starts to sink a little bit deeper in our hearts. All right, Sam, just play it. <laughs> 
Thank you, Lord, that just as we are is where you meet us, Lord. And there is much in us, Lord, that wants to fight and fight and strive to be somewhere different, Lord. And we know that in one sense that's important, Lord, because you want us to be different. But, Lord, I want to thank you that you do meet us where we are, Lord. Whether we feel like we're doing really well or we feel like we're doing terribly right there, just as we are, you meet us. And, Father, I pray that more and more we might be able to come just as we are and receive your acceptance and your love in that place. In the name of Jesus. Amen.